0: Let's pray. Lord Jesus, truly you are all that we need, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would teach us today. God, would you teach us what it means to be disciples of Jesus Christ, Lord, what it means to live in your kingdom, and Lord, we know what you taught us about living generously as your followers, Lord, and we thank you for those who give faithfully unto the work here, and thank you, Lord, that we are beginning to see all the fruit of that in this first year of a church, and God, would you continue to build and abound it, God? We also pray for the churches worldwide, Lord. Some churches don't get to freely worship like this, who who don't get to have loud worship like that and and, and pray over an offering and, and have these comfortable chairs to sit in but are driven underground and need to worship in secret. And we pray for those brothers and sisters. We pray for those who are overcomers because they, to the very end, will not deny Jesus. And God is what we're talking about today in Your Word about not denying Jesus, not being anti-Christ. God, we pray that we would get a an a wake-up call to the reality that Jesus. We need to cling to You. We need to have our eyes fixed on You. We thank You for the great example that we have of our brothers and sisters who are persecuted in the church. God, let us worship You today in spirit and truth. Let us hear from Your Word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're gathered together this Sunday as we are every Sunday to know Jesus and to be known by him. That is our vision here at Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes. And we've been making our way through the book of 1 John verse by verse. And we believe that God's word reveals the true nature and character of God. That in the Bible we discover who the real Jesus is and we discover our real selves. And so, if you have your Bible, which I hope you do, hope you're bringing your Bible to church because we use it every week, uh, please open it to 1 John chapter 2. And today, I love that sound of just Bibles opening up. It, it means that we are a church of the Word of God. So, 1 John chapter 2. Today, we're studying verses 18 through 27. Hey, Steve, back there, do we need to do a Calvary crunch real fast or we're good? Okay, good. Thank you, Steve. So today is a, uh, a really rich portion of scripture, and what I'm praying for in this text that we have before us today is that we would have um, our focus on the things that matter. We get our focus on the things that matter, namely that we would get our eyes on Jesus today. And I'm confident in the power of God's living word to do that for us, to see Jesus clearly for who he is. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the text that we have before us, then then we're really gonna ask the Holy Spirit to teach us his truth today. And, and that's what we're gonna do. Does that sound good? Okay, First John chapter two, starting in verse 18, it says, children, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Let's pray one more time. Holy Spirit, God, would you speak today through your living word? God, would these not be my words, but your very living words that would penetrate into our hearts and cause us to see Jesus clearly? We pray it in your name, amen. So let me remind you of the time when John was writing this letter. It was in the first century. Uh, it was in that first generation generation after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there had come into the church at that time various false teachings regarding the person and the work of Jesus. And I've highlighted in previous sermons throughout this series that there was a major teaching that came into the church that was a threat to the gospel, and that was in the first and second century. It was this teaching known as Gnosticism. And the Gnostics had a dualistic theology. They taught that a higher secret spiritual knowledge could be obtained in order to escape this lower earthly evil matter. And since the Gnostics taught that all physical matter was evil, which would include, right, the flesh of our bodies, they taught that... Jesus did not come in the flesh. They denied the incarnation of Jesus. Now, the incarnation of Jesus, that might be a big word to you, but it simply is the teaching that God became human flesh in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. You know, we call Jesus Lord and Savior because we believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. God the Son became a human being nearly 2,000 years ago. He lived a perfect and sinless life, and then he died on a cross for the sins of the world. And this has been and will always be God's plan of salvation for mankind. And since the Gnostics, right, were coming into the church, they were denying this incarnation. They were denying that through the virgin-born Son of God, we can have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. See, we, we have salvation when we trust completely in the person and the work of Jesus. And when I say person, I mean that Jesus is God who became human flesh. And when I say work, I mean that Jesus died on a cross to deal with our sin, and he rose from the dead so that he could freely give us eternal life. Amen? This is the message that John preached, and this is the message that we preach here. That through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, by his death and resurrection, you can be saved from sin and death. It's by his grace as you put faith in Jesus, as you turn from your sin and trust in God. And when you do this, you will be saved. And nothing else and no one else can save you. Only Jesus can. Which means, right, that it's imperative that we know the real Jesus. The Gnostics were teaching something else about Jesus. And by teaching something else about Jesus, they were teaching someone else. This is why John wrote to the church both then and now because he wanted to testify about the real Jesus and his mission because knowing who Jesus is and knowing what he has done for us has eternal ramifications. Guys, today we're talking about life and death stuff. And so let's get into the word of God. Verse one says, children, it is the last hour And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Now, if you're like me, you read this verse and your mind goes all apocalyptic, (laughs) right? It's good for your mind to be thinking of that certain portion of theology that is known as end times prophecy or eschatology. And either you just missed the last sentence I just said, or you're on the edge of your seat because you're really hoping we get into the thick stuff today, you know? But wherever you are today, on that spectrum of biblical knowledge, of, of what the last hour and what the Antichrist actually means. Wherever you're at on, let's just say, a spectrum, do you want to know what God wants for you to know today? He wants you to know Jesus. God wants you to have a true revelation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So, the goal for today and always, will be for us to have fellowship with the father the son and the holy spirit but we can only have true fellowship with god by knowing the real jesus so let's dig into these words john says again children he's talking to the believers he's talking to us if you name the name of christ as your savior He's reminding us of our standing in Christ that if you've trusted in Jesus to bring you out of darkness, then you have become a child of God in the family of God. You are an adopted brother or sister in Jesus. And John was an apostle. He was a spiritual father in the church, and he wanted nothing more than to know that God's children are walking in the truth. And so with both affection, he loves these people, but also with genuine concern, John says, children, it is the last hour. So okay, John, you're telling us it's the last hour. What do you mean? What what do you mean by that? Well, as you have heard, That Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come, therefore we know it's the last hour. (laughs) Can somebody please help me out here? What is John talking about? Well, if you read through your Bible, which you should do if you're trying to find out what the Bible teaches about God and his plan of redemption. And as you read the Bible, if you get stuck on something that you don't understand, which Let's be honest, will happen quite often. Like maybe you get stuck on what it says here about the last hour or antichrist. What you should do is you should go and read more of the Bible. And if you do that, you will find similar references of time to what you might not understand. So, you know, the Bible does a really good job of making itself clear. We say scripture interprets scripture. So if you want to know what these things are, like Antichrist or the last hour, what you would do is you'd make your way through the Bible, which again, every Christian should be active in doing. It's part of your discipleship, to read your Bible. And as you do, you'll come across similar references of time that will sound similar to this idea of the last hour. You know, as you read through the various books of the New Testament writers, you'll see other verses speaking about the last days or the last time. You now, John uses that unique timestamp of hour, but these are all references to time, a period of time that God has determined. Are you guys all with me? Okay. So with enough study of scripture, you'll come to the clear conclusion that the last hour is a reference to a time period, listen, this is what it refers to, after the first coming of Jesus until the time just before the second coming of Jesus. So the time between the first and second comings of Jesus is what John means when he says, it is the last hour. So John lived in the last hour and we live in the last hour. So far, it's been about a 2,000 year period, and that might seem like a really long last hour, right? But in God's view, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And in comparison to eternity, this last hour is really only a short bit of time. And if anything, if this is the last hour now and it was the last hour then, this should give us even more anticipation for Jesus's imminent return now the key word of what john is saying here is last the exact time of jesus's return is unknown to man only god knows the exact day or hour however what we do know from the bible is that jesus is coming again amen and he is coming soon And Jesus wanted his people to be ready. Jesus taught us throughout the Gospels to be sober and to be alert, that it could happen at any moment. And if you believe that Jesus came once, then you ought to believe that he's coming again because the Bible speaks twice as frequently about the second coming of Jesus as it does about his first coming And if Jesus is coming to earth again, then when he comes, we understand what he's going to do, that he's going to make every wrong right, that he will establish his rule and reign for eternity with those who love him. That's what Jesus is coming when he comes again. Jesus, again, taught us to be sober and alert to this. So the time or the day, or the hour, no one knows. Only God, but what we do know is that Jesus is coming again. He promised us in his word that he would, and it means we need to be ready because last means that there is a final period before a coming end. Because last means there's a final period before a coming end. Listen, guys, there is an end to life as we know it right now. And we need to be right with God before that end comes. The end may be your death, or the end may be Jesus' return. Either way, the end brings final judgment. And what you do with Jesus in your lifetime is all that will matter in the end. So are you still with me? Are you alert? We're going to pick up the pace now. Look at what it says. I'm going to read some verses to you about the last times. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.1, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. James says in James 5.3, your gold and silver have corroded and the corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Peter says in 2 Peter 3, 3, scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. So, Josh, brother, can you give me that bottle of water right there? Thank you, dude. I just need a sip of water. You guys all good? So those, those are references of scripture from Paul, James, Peter and of course John, who were all apostles of Jesus, meaning that they laid the foundation of the teaching that was received from Jesus, all of them say that this last hour or this last day is coming in between the times of the comings of Jesus. And it will be marked by sin and deception abounding. And we're not so much as talking, remember, about dates and times. We're not trying to say this is the day Jesus coming back but what we are talking about and what this has more to do with is the spiritual climate of the last hour there will be a spiritual climate in the last hour and so for believers in the last hour it is to be a time of being awake sober alert and ready to see jesus in the last hour for unbelievers it will be a time of sleeping reveling mocking and blindness. Now, John said that the first century church was living in the last hour. And he knew it was the last hour because, as it said, the news that the Antichrist was coming had already been given. And at that time, many Antichrists had already come. So we've understood right now what the last hour refers to. What is this whole business? What is this understanding that we need to have about Antichrist coming and many Antichrists having come? Where, where should you go if you want to learn about Antichrist or Antichrists? Where should you go? You should go to the Bible, right? You know, and, and I'm being somewhat elementary here. But friends, I, I, I actually have genuine concern that Christians are going to all kinds of other sources other than the word of God to try to find answers to what the Bible makes plain if you just read it and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. You know, are, are you confused about the world that we live in today? Because the Bible's not confused about it. The Bible's not confused about our times. The Bible says it's the last hour, so we should see what it says about it being the last hour. So what is Antichrist? Well, study your Bible learn to rightly divide the word of God and you will find out. See, this is not just a topic for the pastors or the theologians or the prophecy buffs to express how much they know. This isn't political conspiracy or excessive spirituality. This is for the children of God in the last hour to be sure that they are not being deceived. That's what this is for. Antichrist's are coming and have already come. Anti means against of or instead of. So antichrist is anything or anyone that is opposed to Jesus Christ. It is a counterfeit to the real Jesus. And John will interpret what he means by antichrist in just a few verses later that we could skip ahead to. Look at verse 22 with me. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. So the Antichrist is someone who denies God. They deny the Father and the Son, and to deny Jesus is to be a liar because Jesus is the truth and the only way to the Father. And Antichrist is what opposes this truth. Jesus is the Christ. Christ means to be covered with oil. Christ isn't the last name of Jesus, It's more of his title, his position, that he's been anointed, literally smeared with the oil of the Holy Spirit of God. In Hebrew, it's the word Messiah. In Greek, we say he's the Christ. In English, he is the anointed one. And we see in verse 20 that those who are believers in Jesus, those who are for Jesus and are not anti-Christ, they also have this anointing. If you have fellowship with Jesus, then you have been shown the Father and you have been anointed with the Holy Spirit. And so those who believe in Jesus Christ, they are called Christians because they have been anointed by the Christ. Jesus is telling us the Holy Spirit was given to us when we believed. Without the Holy Spirit, guys, we could not even know Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no way that we could understand truth. I mean, I was thinking about all the stuff that I was, I'm, I'm saying today. How would I be able to say what I'm saying right now without the Holy Spirit in me as my teacher? I couldn't comprehend these things without his anointing. And neither can you. If this is just whew, confess Jesus to be Lord and Savior and receive the Holy Spirit as his anointing, As the anointing and you will understand what i'm talking about see if you have the holy spirit then everything i'm saying to you right now from the word of god is going to sit right with you because it is truth and this isn't lies and jesus is of the truth and so what john is doing right here is he's taking a stab at those liars called the gnostics you want to talk about secret higher knowledge well, Jesus breathed on me and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And now the God of the universe, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, lives inside of me. Like, I'm good. I don't need your secret mystical knowledge. The Spirit of the all-knowing God abides in me, and that means that I have the mind of Christ. So why do I need your secret knowledge. It's plain in the word of God. The word of God has nothing written between the lines, Paul says, in 2 Corinthians. It is plain and it is clear, and if you turn from your sins and trust in Jesus, you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And John is saying, children, don't forget who dwells in you. God abides in you, so abide in him. And yet, There are unfortunately those who are in the visible fellowship of the church, people who gather in the places where the real Jesus is proclaimed. There are people who will blend in among true believers who do not have the Holy Spirit and do not have the knowledge of the truth because they believe and they teach lies. In John's generation, it was the Gnostics. And in every generation, there's just a new flavor of the same old lies of the devil. There are doctrines of demons. There is a spirit of Antichrist. And unless you know Jesus the Christ, you'll be deceived. And look, it might be that you are here today and you are seeking truth, and I hope that is the case. We want people to be coming in here who don't know Jesus, who don't have the Holy Spirit, but you are seeking to find truth. Well, listen, I am here to tell you today that you have found the truth. His name is Jesus. He's declared in this book, and I have simply declared him to you. He's fully God, fully man, who died on a cross for your sins and rose from the dead. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved today, and that means you will receive the anointing today. The Holy Spirit will come and live in you forever, and you will belong to God. That's the gospel. And if you come in today and you're seeking truth, that is the truth. I won't run ahead of that gospel. I won't fall behind that gospel. This is the gospel. And if you think that you're a Christian and you've outgrown your need for hearing that simple message, if that doesn't like hit you today, again and again and again, come back to the gospel, the simple message of Jesus. And sadly, there are still some who will call themselves Christians, but they are not because they are not anointed by the Holy One and they have not been born of the Spirit. There are people who teach a different message about Jesus and what is found in the Bible and they are deceived and they are deceivers. And John refers to these people as antichrists because they deny Jesus the Christ. So how do you do? De- de- how how do you how do you identify antichrist? Well, if you look really closely behind the left ear, no, I'm just kidding. i was just making sure you guys are listening to truth. You're still still with me. John tells us how you can identify antichrist in verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us but they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Antichrists are people who at some point may actually be in the visible fellowship of the church. They will be sitting in the pews, so to speak. And, and look, they may even be doing what I'm doing right here, teaching Yet they do not belong to Jesus because they oppose some aspect of the true nature and character of Jesus. Or they deny some aspect of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. They instead choose to believe something instead of Christ, another gospel. John saw this with the Gnostics as they taught docetism as a way to dismiss the incarnation. And John says, these people are antichrists. They are liars. They are deceivers. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 was talking to those who denied that there is a resurrection. He said, I say it to your shame. Some of you don't even know God. Paul said to the Galatians, who has bewitched you? to turn from the gospel that was received from me? Who who cut into your lane and hindered you from obeying the truth? There is one gospel, one message. It testifies of one person, Jesus the Christ, and he is declared in this book. And he warns us, the children of God, about deceivers. I can confidently warn you today, as a, one who teaches the word of God, that Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian scientists, they teach a different Jesus because they deny crucial aspects of the person and the work of Jesus. And listen, the list of cults and false religions grows year by year. Some antichrists are plain, others are more subtle, and God sees all of them, and he knows who are his, but, but we can't always see like God sees. So what do we do? Do we walk around the church, and anytime somebody disagrees with us theologically, we say, Antichrist, get out. <laughs> no. There are foundational doctrines of Christianity, fundamentals, there are secondary, tertiary issues that we can differ on, but there are the fundamental truths of the gospel. What do we do? Do we, do we scour the news looking for the Antichrist that the Bible teaches will rise up at the end of the age? And, and listen, many Antichrists have already come and there is one coming who will be a culminating figure of the spirit of the Antichrist. It's the Antichrist, capital A, and he will deceive many. So children, it is the last hour and this is how you will know who is Antichrist. They will come from without, but they will also come from within you will know them because they will not remain in the church, the body of Christ with Jesus as the head. They leave the church and they do not continue in fellowship with God or his people. And those who are in Christ, if you are a true believer, you will remain in Christ and you will remain in fellowship in his church. Now listen, don't misunderstand what I'm saying right here. A person that leaves one local church to go to another local church body is not an (laughs) antichrist. But I'll say this. I'll say this. If you do leave one local church to come to another local church, and it might be that you've left one church to come to this church, I pray that you would do so with prayer and humility and love. We're not talking about the person who was wounded in a church, and let's be honest, that happens a lot. Some people need to step back from the larger gatherings and be ministered to in a smaller group. These are not antichrists. But let's be very clear that true Christians will not neglect meeting together as we encourage each other as we see the day of his return drawing near. A good assurance to know if you are a true believer is if you gather with true believers. Now, there may be people who will attend our meetings that are liars. There are people who will mingle around the truth, people who will believe and teach something other than the Jesus that is taught in the word whether these people put trust in themselves or a pseudo-Christ or some other religion, or they deny faith in God altogether. And a lot of times they choose to live in sin and darkness and they like to pick people off in that. These people end up opposing Jesus for something else instead. And these are antichrists because they go against Jesus. And we need to be warned, believers, that even from among ourselves will rise up wolves in sheep's clothing. As a pastor, I want to have one voice to gather in the sheep. And I want to have another voice to drive out the wolves. I pray that you'd have the discernment to know which voice I'm speaking to you today with. I first will speak to you to gather you in to Jesus. But I'm not afraid to call out wolves we are a church and i am a shepherd and i have a high calling and i'll be held accountable to god for it so how do we identify these people what about the prodigals what about the people who have gone out from our midst and we were like but they knew jesus Well, James 5 says to go after people who wander from the truth because if you do, you will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Let's go after the people who have left our fellowship because there are true believers who just need a fellow believer to go out and say, come back, come back. But what we do is we keep our focus on Jesus. We make him our Lord and our Savior and we make sure that in this last hour, our love does not grow cold. Let's not let our love grow cold. The Antichrist, they will eventually go out and it'll become plain that they were never of us. We want people to continue with us. We want to have true fellowship with people. We want people to gather around the name of Jesus. But if people go out and they end up opposing Jesus, by following a different gospel with the false Christ then we know they were never of us. I like a quote from D.L. Moody who said it this way. Faith that fizzles before the finish was flawed from the first. Jesus will keep you in his love as you keep yourself in his love. Just make sure that what you believed at the beginning was actually the gospel. So if what you believed at the beginning is written in the Bible, you will remain there. And if what you believed at the beginning is not in the Bible, then you need to repent and believe in the pure simple gospel found in the Bible. Jesus taught us that we would know those who are his by his fruit. You guys know the parable in Matthew chapter 13 of the wheat and the tares? It says that a farmer goes out and plants a crop and an enemy comes, and he sows weeds called tares, and the enemy is the devil, and and the crop is God's church, and and as the church grows with true believers, the enemy comes in, and he sows false believers in their midst that'll try to deceive, And, and so Jesus said, what do you do? How do you take care of this? Well, what the problem is, is that when there's, t- when there's tares in a wheat field, the tares are weeds that grow down roots, and they wrap their roots around the wheat. So what happens if the farmer goes out and starts pulling out what he thinks are weeds, which, guys, these look identical. Weeds, uh, wheat and tares look the same. They look identical, and you will only know at the end of the harvest when the fruit comes that the, the wheat will be the ones that bear fruit where the tares will be the ones that have no fruit. So while the, growing up together, you don't go out and start ripping out tares because you might accidentally rip out wheat. So what you do is you wait for the end of the harvest. You wait for Jesus to come and he will do the sorting out. He will know those who are his and he knows those who are not. Those who are his, he will gather into the barn. Those that are not his, he will gather in, he will gather them up, and they will be thrown into the fire. So right now we don't know. So what do we do? We preach the gospel. Because the gospel is for all. Jesus made propitiation for the sins of the whole world. So we preach the gospel, praying that even a miraculously a tarot could become a wheat is possible in jesus name so remember that the goal for today and always has been that we would have a true revelation of jesus christ so that we can be in fellowship with the father and with the son i got a little bit more and i get the sense that you guys are all still with me you ready for just a little bit more okay sorry children's ministry workers verse 20 to 21 says but you have been anointed by the holy one and you all have knowledge i write to you not because you do not know the truth but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth so to summarize this up i think what I can say this morning is right in line with what John is saying here. What I've been doing is I've been preaching this message this morning, this sermon on the real Jesus. And if you've been anointed with the Holy One, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, then everything that I've been saying to you has sat right with you in your spirit because it's truth. I might have gone off on some little prophecy thing here and you're going to come and write me an email. Fine, go for it. But... On the gospel, like we're solid, right? But, but because I'm saying it, because I'm saying it, who am I? It's because the word of God is saying it. And I have been careful to teach you what is written here in this Bible. Never take my word for anything. Please, never take my word for anything. Learn to take the Bible and with the Holy Spirit, go and find out if the things that I'm preaching to you are true. Receive the messages that I preach, I hope, with eagerness and readiness of mind, but please go and examine the scriptures to see if the things that I say are true. Because there is no lie in the truth. People lie, don't trust people. God's word does not lie. Trust God. Know the truth, and his word is truth. The Bereans wouldn't even listen to Paul the Apostle, but went and examined the scriptures to see if it was so. We have pastors who go to the word to see if it's so. I ain't getting past our elders in this church on anything. We are accountable to one another in doctrine. We take heed to doctrine because in doing so, we save both ourselves and our hearers. so verse 22 to 24, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Son and in the Father. So Jesus is the Christ, and the denial of that truth is antichrist. If you deny Jesus, you also deny the Father. They come as a package deal. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, so you can't have one without the other. Jesus said to Philip, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Colossians says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, and so to know Jesus is to know the Father, and to know the Father is to know Jesus. And so anybody who says, I know God, but I don't believe in Jesus, liar liar. Whether Jew or Gentile, liar. Go read John 8 for homework. It's a good one. Now, I quickly want to point out this word abide. It's the word meno, which means to remain in or to be at home in. And this is what we will be as a church. We will be a church that we be at home in the word of God and in the spirit of God. So let the message of Jesus abide in you. And if Jesus abides in you, then you will be at home in Jesus and you will remain in fellowship with the Father. See guys, what I'm saying to you today is that God has inextricably connected himself to his word. And God has given you the anointing of the Holy Spirit to dwell in you so that this book can come alive in you because the Holy Spirit dwells in you to teach you. Verse 25 says, and this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I'm saving that one for the end because I'm going to give an invitation for anyone to receive Jesus today as Lord and Savior. You can have the opportunity today to come to Jesus. But look finally at verse 26 and 27. I write these things to you about those trying to deceive you. I'm not trying to deceive anyone here, and I'm not because I'm preaching the word. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. Like, you really don't need me if you have the Holy Spirit. I may be useful to help highlight and give an understanding of Scripture, but if you're a child of God, you can do what I do, which is to take the word of God, put it in your heart. The only difference is the Holy Spirit's taking it out of me and giving it to you. I am simply a conduit, a vessel for the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. But I am fallible. God's word is not fallible. So we want to be people that are confident in the word of God and people that are confident in the power and the presence of God. That's the kind of church that we are going to be. We are going to be a Jesus church. We are going to be a church that holds dearly to the word of God and the spirit of God. It's been said, you know, you need the word of God and the spirit of God. You need both. I need both. You need both. We all need both. You can't have the word and no spirit or else you're going to dry up. You can't have all spirit and no word or you're going to blow up. The word and the spirit together makes you grow up. So we want to be a Jesus-loving, Bible-teaching, spirit-filled church, and that is what we are. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your living word that has been spoken. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that is our teacher. Thank you that the Holy Spirit dwells in true believers, and we have no need that anyone should teach us because you teach us all things, and we have all knowledge. We have the mind of Christ. That's a big thing to comprehend, but God, you can help us understand what you mean in that. God, thank you for today. God, would you draw anyone here in today who has been denying Jesus? God, I pray that they would confess you today and make you Lord and Savior. I pray your Holy Spirit right now would draw them and that they would confess they are sinner, but you are a Savior.